All right, Merry Christmas. Great to have everybody here with us. Great for those who are joining us online uh, to celebrate our Christmas Eve Eve service. Always great to gather together uh, as a church family. Couple things before we get started. If you didn't hear on the way in Jennifer talking about Connect cards, uh, we want you to fill those out. You can find them back at the Give, Pray, and Connect Center there or right outside of the door. If you fill those out, and if you haven't filled one out, make sure that you do. And if you do, you fill it out and you turn it in, then we're going to give away $5 uh, to the two uh, ministries we talked about, Destiny Rescue and Hands of Hope. Um, so if you're here tonight and you've never filled out a connecting card, fill one out so that we can uh, continue to uh, give money away in this Christmas season. All right, so travel lights. If you're new with us, let me give you an idea of what we've been talking about and what we're hoping for as we wrap up this uh, Christmas season together. So the travel lights series was based upon the idea of what Paul said, which is that essentially God's laid out for us, each one of us, a race, right? A path uh, that, that we're supposed to be on. And he would say, don't run it for just a participation trophy, right? Don't just try to get through. Don't just try to make it, but run it in a way to win, right? And to do that, obviously, we would understand if you're going to run a race to win, you would do multiple different things. One of those would be train and prepare and talk to other people that have ran the race before and have people come alongside of you to help you through the process. The other part of it would be is, is that if you want to win, you should probably get rid of anything that's keeping you from running the fastest that you can, right? So it wouldn't make any sense for anybody running a race when nobody else has a backpack on, probably not a good idea for you to have a backpack on if you really want to win, right? So the whole idea of travel light was if we want to run the race and if we want to win, then you got to get rid of the stuff that's keeping you from being able to run the race to win. So each week we talked about a different thing, something you need to unload, something you need to get rid of, whatever your baggage was. You need to get rid of it and you need to be able to move on so that you can be effective for kingdom ministry and that God can use you in amazing ways. And I think throughout this series, we've had lots of people that have been processing, like, what bags am I carrying that I was never intended to carry? Right? What are those things that I need to get rid of uh, in the midst of our, our, our lives? And we're going to wrap it up tonight with one that I think, um, at least in my relationships with people People struggle with this one probably more than anything, and that is giving up your past, right? Taking your past and getting rid of it and, and leaving it where it needs to be because your past at times, this is the crazy thing about it, like you can be like, my past is my past and I'm not going to think about it, and then all of a sudden it comes back up again. Anybody ever been that way? You know what I mean? Like my past is my past, and then all of a sudden somebody talks about something, you know, or somebody brings up something. And then all of the sudden, all of those feelings that you had or all those things that you thought were in a distance and you didn't remember anymore, all of a sudden come back up again. You know what I mean? They're like, I can't believe that this is affecting me because I thought I got rid of all of these things in my past. It's almost like a door, right? Is I think your past is like a door. If you have a little crack in the door and the wind blows, what usually happens to the door? Yeah, it blows open, right? The same with your past. Like, if we have a little crack open in our past and we haven't completely closed the door to our past, anytime the wind blows, it comes right back up, 
right? And for each one of us, we got to deal with it as the door opens. And I think for each one of us, we're going to be like, you know, I need to shut it. I need to shut it. But I think the problem becomes for so many people is we don't close the door to our past all the way or we don't know how, right? We think there's something that's keeping us from being able to close that door the way we need to. So here's my hope for tonight, okay? My hope for tonight is that you can recognize that for each one of us in this room, it doesn't matter where your past is, and we're going to talk about it here in a second. I hope tonight you can learn to close the door for good. Whatever it is, wherever you've been, or whatever keeps coming back up, my prayer tonight is, is that you will be able to shut that door. And even more than that, that you will not just shut the door to your past, but you will open the door to the future in which God has for you. It's not just good enough, and we're going to talk about it here in just a little bit. It's not just good enough to shut your door and shut the door to the past. But I've said this to you from the beginning, and I'm going to say it over and over again, to remind you and me, God has a calling in your life. Every person in this room, God has a calling in your life, and he's waiting for you to walk into the future in which he has prepared but you've got to be the one to open the door, right? You've got to be the one to close the door in your past and move forward in the future. So to help us with it tonight, this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at the life of Peter. So I don't know if you guys will know Peter at all, but we're going to talk a little bit about who Peter was. So Peter would be the guy, if you don't know him, if you're sitting around a room, you ever sit in a circle with a bunch of guys and he's that confident one, you know what I mean? Like nothing's going to break me, nothing's going to hurt me, you know, throw anything at me, I got it, you know, whatever storms come, I'm going to take care of it, like the strong, confident kind of guy, that's who Peter was, right, to the point where Jesus came to him and said, hey, you know, just so you know, I know you think that you got everything good, but just so you know, when we get to the end of it all, and people are going to ask you about me, you're going to deny me. Now, for all you good, strong, confident guys, how would you respond to that? Ain't no way, right? Like, who's going to break me, right? Like any of us sitting here today that have any wherewithal would be like, yeah, you and what army is going to break me and make me deny the Jesus? I mean, you're the man, right? Like you're the guy. Nobody's giving you up, Jesus. So then we know the story, right? So here's how the story goes. It keeps going on. Jesus is arrested and taken away. Some of the disciples flee far away, and some of the disciples want to see what's going on. Peter is one who wants to see what's going on, right? So they take him in there. Um, Jesus is being tried, um, and Peter is on the outside kind of looking in, and I don't really know why. I mean, I don't know if he just wanted to see or if he was, like, planning something, like, can I bust him out, you know? Am I going to be able to get him out of jail? Am I going to be able to do something? Or was he just sitting back there watching what's happening? I'm not sure. But here's big Peter, and here comes the little girl. Do you remember the little girl in the story? So the girl, shows, Peter's warm his hands by the fire. The little girl walks up and be like, do I know you? You know, Peter's like, no, you don't know me. And he's like, she's like, wait, 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 I know you. You're the one who was with Jesus, right? You're that guy. Big Peter, little girl's like, I don't know who he is. The guy that was never going to be broken, the guy that was never going to give in, in a moment now, a little girl broke him. He denied Jesus. It just didn't happen once. We know in the story that it happened three times. And if you can imagine, again, 
When you're that guy, and, and, and again, you make a mistake, it's tough, right, just to know that you made a mistake. But what happens next in the story is what I think is so uh, riveting with this, is in Luke twenty two sixty one. Imagine to yourself you just made these mistakes, right? And you already feel a little bit bad. But at least nobody that you love heard you. Ever done that? You know what I mean? You make a mistake and nobody saw you and you're thank goodness. You know, so somebody that you really care about or you love didn't see the mistake you made or didn't hear what you said, like all of that stuff. Well, here's what happens. So in Luke uh, 22, starting in verse 61, here's what he says. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Now how are you feeling? Not only did you deny him with a little girl, now the one that you denied, who you loved and said you would never do, now looks you straight in the eye and you know what he's thinking. <laughs> right? You know what he's thinking. You know what's going through the mind of Jesus. And for Peter, after that happens, he says, then Peter remembered uh, the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. Verse 62. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Why? I mean, he made a mistake, right? So, yeah, Jesus saw him. He made a mistake. It wasn't good. And it wasn't that he just cried. Like, this is the important part. It wasn't that he just cried. He wept bitterly. Why? Here's what we need to realize. When we make a mistake, we have sin in our life, and the door is open. Not only is sin on the other side of the door, you know what else is on the other side of the door? Your enemy. You hear me? Right? The other side of the door is the enemy. So it's not just there's sin on the other side of the door, but there is an enemy now that has a voice that didn't have a voice before. When the door is open, and it is open like this, now there's a voice that's coming out. You know what he's saying? You know what he was saying to, to Peter? Think about this. You thought you had it all. You had your plan all laid out. He was counting on you. You know what? You're unforgivable. You're unforgivable. That's the unforgivable sin, right? I mean, not that it's written in the Bible, but it's unforgivable sin. But think about this for a second. This is the one who called you. You said you were going to stand up, and you didn't. And Satan looks at him and says, you know what? That right there, who's going to forgive that sin? When somebody finds that out about you, who's going to do it? Anybody relate with this ever? Well, I relate with it, I'll just tell you. You know, when, when that voice starts coming and those things that you've done, have you ever had any of those in your life where you're thinking, I hurt some people in ways that I should have never hurt some people? And I, not only, you know, am I thinking about my forgiveness from God, I don't know if I would ever forgive me either for what I said and what I did and how I treated my wife and how I treated my, you know, how you treated your husband, how I hurt this other person. This, and Satan's like, you're right, you're right, you're right. They're not going to forgive you. God's not going to forgive you. You know what else he says? You know, the voice comes through there. He's like, not only are you unforgivable, but you're unlovable. Now, that might sound a little bit off, like, really unlovable, but have you ever done this before where you make a mistake and everybody reminds you that you made the mistake and all the people that you thought loved you don't like you anymore? Okay, 
I'll just speak from experience. You know what I mean? Like those people that are surrounded you, and then all of a sudden you make this mistake, and they're like, oh, I thought, we thought we knew you. We thought we knew the way you act. We thought we knew the things you did. And then all of a sudden those people that were surrounding you that were patting you on the back one day, all of a sudden are like, you know what they did, right? You know how they acted, right? And then all of a sudden you're finding yourself at this place. Not only is it hard enough to deal with the sin that you had in your life, now you're thinking, and can anybody really love me after I made this mistake? Can anybody ever be in relationship with me? Because this is what Satan's trying to work on, right? Like, can anybody be in relationship with you after you did something like that? And then what happens, whether you want to see this or not, the other thing that the enemy says, and I think it's one of the most paralyzing things, and when I talk to people who are struggling through this, it's like they've heard this a hundred times. You're no longer useful. You're useless. I mean, who can use the guy that had the affair? Who can use the girl that had the affair? Who can use the person that got a divorce? Who can use the person that, I mean, fill in your blanks, right? I mean, who uses people like that? Right? Who uses people that did those types of things in their life and Satan just keeps talking and keeps talking? And I get it. I have sat with people who are trying to work through shutting this door. And you know the thing that's, that's right here? Does God really want to use a person like me? Does God really want to use somebody who made these kind of mistakes? And they can't shut it, and they can't shut it, and they can't shut it because they can't get their mind wrapped around God uses broken people. God uses broken people. God uses broken people. That's, he's saying it, but for Satan on the other side, while this is still open, is saying, you know what? You're unforgivable. You're unlovable. And you'll never be used anymore. And he wants to keep this door open and he wants you to stay paralyzed. And as long as this door is open, the voices keep coming. And you might think you're strong enough to put the voices out and you think you're strong enough to keep them from the place. I'm telling you, until you learn to shut that door, until you learn to stop putting your ear up to that door, Right? Until you learn to shut it and walk away from it, Satan, the enemy, has a foothold in your life that you can't get rid of until you learn to shut that door. Right? So that's what happens when we open up the door to sin and when we open up the door to our past and we don't learn how to close it, Satan deals with us in a certain way. Right For Peter, it was he's weeping bitterly because now he feels like everything that he put for his life, everything that he did for his life is now lost. I was a disciple. I told Jesus I would be there. Now I'm not there. I denied him. I walked away from him. He's going to be crucified, bitterly weeping because he can't figure out how to, to, to deal with what Satan's doing in his life now. Fast forward a little bit. We're now... Jesus comes back to deal with Peter, right? So just give you a little bit of the history of the story. So Peter, you know, and the disciples after Jesus died essentially were like, now what do we do, right? Like now what do we do? Like the guy that we were following isn't working anymore, so they go back to doing what they were trained to do before being disciples, so they went back to their trade. They went back to being fishermen. So Peter, right, is out with the disciples trying to catch fish. You know how these stories go, right? When they try to fish, how do they do? (laughs) 
not so well, right? They're throwing their nets out, they're not catching anything. Throwing their nets out, not catching anything. So Jesus then dies on a cross, empty tomb, comes back and decides he's going to meet with his disciples. So they're out there fishing. Jesus looks out there and says, hey, throw the net on the other side. And they're like, I guess. If I'm fishing out there, what else do you have to lose, right? Throw the net on the other side. Throw the net on the other side. They catch all of the fish. They bring him in. And all of the sudden, Peter recognizes that that's Jesus. Now, big difference than the last time that Peter recognized Jesus. He didn't walk on water this time. He jumps out of the boat, and he's not walking on water. He's swimming to the shore. Now, have you ever been in, in a... Uh, lunch meeting with somebody or maybe even sitting around your family table where there's the elephant in the room or the tension and like everybody's eating and nobody's talking. It's kind of like the Christmas vacation thing where they're all like gnawing on the turkey and they you know, nobody has really anything to say. Like there's tension, like somebody needs to bring it up, like everybody knows what's going on and somebody needs to bring it up but nobody wants to bring it up because they're afraid what people are going to say or they're afraid what's going to go on. So this is Peter's and the disciples' meal with Jesus. Jesus makes them breakfast, and they are all sitting around the, 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 the beach, and they're all eating breakfast in silence. Now, if you're sitting in Peter's shoes, what are you waiting for? Yeah, for sure. You're waiting for the hammer to come, right? You're waiting for it to come to the point where Jesus is just going to... And honestly, if you were the disciples... And you knew what Peter was doing. They're being like, I, hope he, I wonder what Jesus is going to say to him. <laughs> now, it's going to be a show, you know, because this is the guy that denied him. So they're all kind of sitting back, glad it wasn't me. Like nobody saw me deny him. I mean, the girl saw him, right? And Jesus, nobody else. So I could do it all in the dark, but they saw Peter. So they're all sitting around there now. Here's what happens. This is John 21. Uh, starting in verse 15. So they get the meal, they come up, they're eating it together, and then this is what happened. Verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you, Jesus said. And then he said, feed my lamb. So catch this in the middle of it. So Jesus, you know, the, the disciples are expecting him to come down on him. They decide, I'm sure Peter's thinking, you know what, this is the moment where they're going to come out and this is the moment where he's going to yell at me or this is the moment where he's going to say, you're going to have to earn your way back into being a disciple because you were the one type of thing. But Jesus responds in this way, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter's like, well, for sure I love you. Right? For sure I love you. And Jesus responds in a way that I don't think we can miss what he's trying to say. He says, if you love me, you will feed my sheep. With love comes action. Right? The whole idea that he's trying to get Peter to, to recognize is, listen, <laughs> the past is the past. What do you want me to do? Right? The past is the past. But understand, in the midst of shutting the door to the past and you talking about and me asking you, do you love me? The response is, love me and do something with it, right? Feed my sheep. Now he goes on and he says, again, 
Uh, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, same thing, take care of my sheep. Verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. I don't want to go over this because here's something important that I think we need to recognize about our past, right? So you can't live in it. You need to shut the door to it. But you can't ignore the healing that needs to happen. Okay? Do you remember, like, when you were a kid? I can't remember if we did this with the kids, but for some reason this must scarred me when I was a kid. You ever been out, like, on the playground or something, and you, you get this big scuff on your arm, and you get this cut, and you walk inside, and you're like, oh, Mom, I have something wrong with me, and your mom gets out that bottle of peroxide? <laughs> Does this still happen? Okay, and then they pour it on you, and it, like, bubbles up in a way you think your whole arm's going to fall off or your leg because of all the stuff. But moms know something that we didn't, right? You better clean it out. You can't just cover it up. You hear me? This is your past. Listen to me. You can't just cover it up. When I say shut the door on your past, it's not shut the door to cover it up. It's shut the door and take the healing that you need to get better. Because believe me, if you don't clean the wound, right, the infection that comes from under the surface will burst the wound open again. I don't care what you try to do. If you're unwilling to be healed, and the only way to be healed is to recognize that you're hurt. You see, it's okay that your past has left a wound. It's okay that your past has caused grief. It's okay that that there's something that's still open. The question is, do you want it healed or do you want to cover it up? Peter, when Jesus does this, you know, Jesus isn't like, oh, shoot, I hurt Peter's feelings. Jesus knew the way to heal a wound is to deal with the wound in the right way, right? He knew those things. So Peter being hurt wasn't a big deal to Jesus. Like at the end of the day, I got you. We're going to clean it out. We're going to get it better. And he ends it with Peter was hurt and that Jesus asked him the third time. He says, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And this is what he was trying to get Peter to recognize. You can't change the past, right? Like, I'll just tell you, when I look at my own past, (laughs) there are some days I wish I could go back. Anybody else? You wish you could walk back here and fix these broken things that you wish you wouldn't have done? I mean, I just see them. I'm thinking, what was I thinking? Why did I do it, right? Here's what he wants us to recognize. You can't fix it. You can't fix it. But you can close the door on it, be healed from it, and God can change the future, right? You can't fix this, and I wish we could, and wish we could repair all the hurt that we did and all the things that happened. You can't deal with that anymore because then you're going to just keep opening up the door again and try to go back and fix things that you were never intended to fix. And in the midst of all that, you're going to miss what Jesus wants to do in the future for you, right? That's what he was trying to say in, 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 and for all of us. So here's what I want us to look at. And we've talked about it a number of different times. How do you get to the place where we can do just that, right? Well, simply, here's the first thing that you need to do 
if you got a crack open in your door today to your past, you need to shut the door. You need to shut the door. You need to close the door to your past. And I know, listen, I know there's enough people in the room right now where they're wondering if this is possible and there's been this foot that keeps them from doing it. Here's what I want you to recognize. God's grace is bigger than any of your sin, period. I don't care what your past is. No sin is bigger than the grace of God. I'll say it a thousand times. No sin is bigger than the grace of God. God's grace allows us to shut the door. Right, And if you've come here tonight and you've come at this place where you've been trying to shut it but something keeps getting in the way, don't miss and don't miss the, the point of what we're trying to t- get you to see and that is don't allow a lie, because that's a lie, that your sin is bigger than the grace of God. And as long as you leave that door open, you're going to keep hearing the same lie over and over and over again. But the sin that you committed is bigger than the grace of God, but you have to at some point trust that once you shut that door, you're going to hear the truth, that the grace of God is bigger than any sin you've ever had in your life. Now, Scripture, it's not just a theory. Scripture backs that up in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you confess, if you're willing to admit, right? If you're willing to admit, I am a sinner falling short of the glory of God, there's a lot behind the door. Right? There's a lot behind the door. I don't know what to tell you. I'm going to confess it. I'm not going to hold it back. I'm not going to try to hide it. I'm just going to let you know there is sin behind the door. But if I confess it, the promise of God is this. Your destiny has now been changed forever. Because the only one who can fix what's on the other side of the door is Jesus Christ and through his blood. And the only way to fix it is to trust him to take care of what you can't. Shutting the door is a representation of Jesus Christ, us trusting him to take care of our sin and recognizing this, right? Recognizing that for each one of us, this isn't about, okay, I'll shut the door and the thing, the thing that God wants from me most of all is to keep following all the rules and, and do all the right things. You know what he wants? <laughs> he already knows you can't follow the rules. He already knows you're going to make a mistake. You know what he wants? The same thing that all of us as parents desire is a relationship with our kids. For any parent out there, you know this. There's one thing that cuts deep is when the relationship is severed with the ones that we love a lot. What Christ wants from each one of us is, listen, he already knows you can't be a rule follower. Otherwise, there is no grace. Like the idea of being a rule follower, you couldn't get it done. So he already knows you can't follow all the rules. He wants you to understand what he says in Scripture, in John 1, 12 through 13, the whole idea about being a child of God. Yet to, all who, um, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of a natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. He wants everybody in this room to recognize when you close the door, on the other side of that door is you are now a child of God. And what he wants more than anything from you is a relationship. 
And inside of a relationship, just so we know, you're still going to make mistakes. Amen? You're going to make mistakes. But just like it is for our children, they're still our kids. Doesn't change. Your standing doesn't change because of the mistakes that you made in your life. Now, here's my fear. My fear is that because of our past and because of just the energy that it takes to shut the door, sometimes I think we're just satisfied to sit in the middle. It's comfortable here, and I don't have to listen to the voices anymore. I don't have to be there. God saved me, right? Listen, God did not save you from something. He saved you for something. Don't miss it. If you believe that the entirety of your life was that Jesus saved you from something, right? It's like, Monsters, Inc., boo, like saved you from Solly on the other side of the door. <laughs> like, thank goodness I don't have to worry about, that's his name, isn't it? Yeah. We were talking about it earlier, I think that's his name. Yeah. Oh my gosh, God saved me from the boogeyman on the other side of the door who could no longer hurt me. And here's what you miss. He didn't save you from it. He saved you for something. Sitting in the middle, in my opinion, is where a lot of us get stuck. Because we just don't know what to do. And what I'm saying is, you can't get to this place where we believe that he saved us from something. you got to get to the place where you not only close the door to your past, but open the door to your future. This is not where he wants you to be. Jesus Christ coming to this earth, being born what we're celebrating, dying on a cross, raising from the dead, sitting at the right hand of the Father, wasn't so that you could be comfortable in the middle. It was so that you can accomplish that in which he set out for you from the beginning of time. He knew you, he designed you, he laid a plan out for you, and all he's asking you to do is Close one door, open up another. But you know what I think we're afraid of? See, in the middle is certainty. You can control this, right? Close the door to your past, you can control what happens in the middle. You know what's on the other side of that door? Uncertainty. You know what's on the other side of that door? Destiny and uncertainty. And I think so many people are like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. I'm telling you. Listen, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ coming to the earth, not just to give us a seat of comfort, but to move us to a place where we can be used to change the world. Philippians 3, this is a verse that Paul gives us, like we talked about. Philippians 3, starting in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Plan for your life, destiny. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, right? So he gets it. Like, he has a destiny for my life, and I'm still trying to figure it out. And at the end of the day, I still make mistakes. But listen to what he says next. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's like, listen, I don't have it all right. I closed the door to my past. If anybody had a lot to put behind him, Paul did. But he says, and I'm going to keep opening the door to my future. I'm going to keep walking through this door. And I don't have it all right. But at the end of the day, I can tell you nobody's going to keep me from walking through the destiny in which God has for my life. And so here's my question for you. What's God calling you into in 2021? What is it in your life? Because you might be here. Listen, because I think this happens. I think are people like, God, I'm all for you. Man, use me. And then they're like, oh, wow, that was hard. <laughs> Pretty sure that door will stay up. I kind of like to hear a little bit better. Right? If you followed God, believe me, I've been in and out of that door a lot. I know what it's like. Listen, I'm not going to be up here being like, oh, no, it's so easy. No. On the other side of this door, not only is it not comfortable, it's difficult. It's hard. It's sacrificial. It costs you a lot. And there are going to be times you're going to be like, it was so much easier, so much easier, so much easier on this side of the door. And you're going to come back, and that might be you today. Like 2020 had plenty to bring you back to this door, this place. Anybody else with me? 2020 had lots of reasons to come back and sit here. And if you didn't have reasons, people were encouraging you to come back and sit here. Telling you, get out of the game, sit on the sidelines, be away, do, do, you know, get back to what's comfortable. Don't cause any tension. Don't cause any uproar. Don't make people upset, right? Sit in the middle. The middle's comfortable. Get out of that and get into here. And so some of us might be here today. My question to you is, is that why he saved you? Is that why he died on the cross? So that we could stay here? Or did he die on a cross to usher you into the destiny that he's had planned for all of your life? Here's what I'm going to challenge you with. Corinne's going to make her way back up and we're going to sing together here at the end. But here's my challenge for you. I want you to find a door. I don't know which door it is in your house. Like, it's like I'm at the end of whatever you do in the morning, and then you kind of walk out. Might be your bathroom, might be your study, might be your actual door that you walk out of. And I want you tonight, as we're singing this song, and if you don't think of it tonight, I want you to think of it tomorrow. If you don't think of it tomorrow, I want you to think of it at some point. What's God calling you to in 2021? What is it? What is that thing that he's saying, can you move from here and move to there? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to put it on a sticky note. I want you to put it on a card. And I want you to put it on the door that it's a place where you can be reminded every day when you walk out, you're not just saved from something. You are saved for something. And you are now in your mission field where God has you. Where he has you today is on purpose to live, on purpose to change those things in your life. And I think we all need to be reminded of it, right? Don't we all in the lives that we live today need to be reminded why we're still on this earth? 
Don't we all need to be in the busyness of life when we get stuck in the middle here sometimes, need to be reminded that Jesus Christ just didn't die so we could celebrate Christmas, you know, or, or birth so we could celebrate Christmas, but he, this idea is that he came so that we can be, right? He put ourselves in this position so we could be at that place. Now, here's what I want you to think about. So one of the great things, hopefully you guys got one of these on the way in. So every year uh, we sing Silent Night together and we light our candles and one of the things that I was thinking of today as we were processing this is, you know, in the middle when you have your light, one of the things that I felt like God said to me is when you're sitting in the middle and you have this light, you know who it's shining on? You. You know what it brings to light? you. You know what I want from you? That's what I heard from him today. You know what I want from you? I want you to walk through the door because on the other side of the door, this light does not shine on me anymore. You know what it shines on? The one who deserves it. Because no longer is my life or what I do anymore about me. This night now represents Jesus. This light now represents a life changed by Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to come down and I'm going to light your candles and I want you to turn around and light the people behind you. And as you're lighting it, I want you to ask yourself that same question. What is it for me that he's calling me towards? And I'm not satisfied with the light shining on me, but I want this to be about him. And how can we in 2021 be a people that shine our light into the world so that he can get all of the glory?
Take a moment and look around. Because this is what the world is desperate for. People who are willing to shut the door on their past and walk into the destiny in which God has called them. They don't need any more light shining on us. They need it on the one who's going to make the difference in the world. They need the one that's going to change everything. Can we be a people that not just shuts our door on the past, but walks in the destiny in which God has called us? And if we do, this is what we know. We will be able to take light into a dark world and that Jesus Christ and his love will be spread like no other time in history. May we be those people. So thanks, everybody, for being here with us tonight. Thank you for celebrating Christmas Eve with us. Thanks for being online. And again, hope you have a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you guys next year.